everyone, and welcome to episode 63 of the Make a Difference podcast. We have the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy, who runs griefandrecovery.co. He has a lot of really good information to share about grief and recovery. He's really been through it himself. And I would argue that sometimes when we seek out help for things like this, um, we're speaking with professionals who maybe have not been through what we're going through, and that can be challenging. And I think one of the unique things about what Jeremy does and the programs that he runs is he himself has been through it all. And so he has a really incredible story. It's sad, but very hopeful yeah. and, and inspiring. This is an episode that certainly almost everyone could take something away from. Couldn't agree more. So with that, we'll get right into it and we'll catch you next week. Welcome to episode 63 of the Make a Difference podcast. We are joined today by Jeremy, who um, works with business owners and executives um, to help them get through grief. And we're so excited to have him here with us today. He has a pretty incredible story. And instead of me or Cole trying to tell that to you, I'm going to turn it right over to him and let him give, give you his story. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks so much for being here. Oh my gosh. It is absolutely awesome to be here. I appreciate the opportunity just to share. Um, you know, it's funny that with the, with the grief, uh, with the grief coaching again, just the counseling, when it comes down to all of everything, you know, I was, I remember going to psychiatrists a long time ago when I was a kid and wondering why they couldn't relate, but the, the whole entire, the whole entire story of why this comes from personal experience and the wisdom that, that I've been able to unpack. My dad was murdered when I was 18 years old. And I don't like to just like go off the cuff with that because a lot it's pretty intense because we were, my parent, my dad was murdered when I was 18, but it wasn't until after I contemplated suicide when I was 16 and my parents divorced when I was 10. And the reason why all that matters is because I'm the oldest of three siblings. And we all know that there's always that one parent in the divorce the majority of the time that gets really mad and decides to do some pretty evil stuff. And I was the easy target because I'm the oldest of the siblings. And that led me down every single year from sixth to 10th grade. Uh, for, I got expelled from school for drugs or fighting um, to a point to where I just felt like a burden. I felt like I was just ashamed to just to be and trying to be an example to do any of this pressure that was expected from me. And, and it's interesting because that's the night I turned my life around. That's the night I gave my life to Christ. But that was, that was, it was a wild turn of events because I began to understand that, you know, I had, I needed to have more respect for myself and, and my dad, he would abuse me every which way except sexual abuse behind the scenes, you know, on the front side of it, he had a business and everyone wanted to have that lifestyle, so to speak, because my dad was very flashy, but behind the scenes, he beat the crap out of me. And, yes. and my, my self-esteem was that tall. And I remember that night I was just on my bedside. I was going to take a whole bottle of sleeping pills and just see what happened. And, and that's uh, thank God for a good friend. Right. And, and I remember he, he just, he, he just spoke life into me that night. And I, I really, I remember after after that night, over the next two years, I have, oh, goodness gracious, it was a battle. It felt like a war with my dad. <laughs> and I'm like, this is the person who's supposed to be my dad, but I want to be able to have a relationship with him. But he was known for being so difficult to be around professionally and personally. And over those two years, we repaired our relationship. But I remember seeing him on the Thursday before we got the official phone call. And we were on our way to the family vacation. And we got the official phone call that he had been shot and killed. 
and it turned it into a family funeral. Jeez. And over those two years, I, that I knew, I knew for a fact that I did everything I could. I did everything I know I needed to do. And, and that was the, that was the day it all made sense that really, I mean, my dad and I, we would get into cussing matches. I'm not kidding. Hey, we got creative and colorful with it. It was, we were from the South. So we got artistic with our cussing. Uh, and so much that my dad, my mom would come in and wonder like, Oh my gosh, everything. Okay. She was like, I just had to say one word dad. And she's like, Oh, no big deal. And into where we, we ended up after every one of those cussing matches, always calling either one of us would call each other back, just apologize. You know, there's two times when you apologize when you're right and when you're wrong, you know, and, and that was when, because I valued our relationship and I wanted it to work. And my dad needed somebody to stand in the gap for him and to see that what he, he could be and treat him as he should be. And it pulled that potential out of him. And I remember countless nights and when he would call me drunk or have a sleep or anything and just tell me how proud of what how proud of the man that he was uh, how proud he was of the man i was becoming and, and i was you know and growing up i never heard that and and i remember all of the all of those sleepless nights and just feeling exhausted feeling like i wanted to punch myself in the face because he wouldn't listen it all paid off and it was worth it and i started at the funeral that night or that um from the trip and i had to ask myself was like Everyone in this family knows my dad from the divorce. They don't know the new him, not the one I met. And I stood up and shared, and I kid you not, it was just the atmosphere just shifted. And I went on, you know, he had a business. And so we, I went on to have my, my first business venture, which was an acquisition. And um, for the past 10 years, been just working in business development in different degrees and helping folks in, you know, marketing or whatever the case is. It just didn't matter. Like it was just a way to serve. And behind the scenes, I, you know, there'd be times life would happen. You know, people would lose their mothers, they would lose a loved one, a son or someone that is close to them and right place, right time. And I'd be there to be able to encourage them and just to breathe life into them, but also to help them keep their head in the game because A, they had a business. B, they needed to also stay a father or a parent and make sure that they kept their head in the game for those around them and not also to let their emotions control their lives and their decisions. And, and it's interesting because I, I remember so many different times, you know, trying to do what I'm doing now and it wouldn't work out. And I'm sitting back wondering, I'm like, what is going on? And, and I just, I'm, I'm always here, always helping folks and always just reading life to them. And God, when is it going to be the right time to do this on a, on a large scale? <laughs> and lo and behold, seven months ago, it was the day. And, and now it's been, it has been electrifying to see the things that through online and just unpacking grief, unpack, having it make sense. How, how do these emotions, why do they pop up? Why do they come? Where, what do you do with your thoughts? Like, what do you do with the creative outlets? Like, how do you find those who care and those who are just going to listen and not try to fix you? And even those on the other side of the coin, like, how do you support people without unknowingly being, being annoying, right? Or unknowingly Definitely. being offensive, you know, unknowingly just pissing someone off in general. Like, how? I, how? You know, a lot of times just it, and, and that's what, you know, and that's where I'll kind of land my plane, so to speak, you know, clubhouse reference, but, um, but where I remember always, always asking and just talking to people like, they're like, I tried to do this. And then just, they got mad. I don't understand it. One of the biggest things that, you know, with 
with supporting somebody who's going through grief, you have to understand that someone's presence is gone. Someone's literal soul has been, has gone. And the number one thing that they need is for someone to be present with them. Because being present was derived from the word presence. It's the action, it's the verb, being present with them. And a lot of times we don't value our own, the weight of our own presence and trying to, to supplement it with gifts or different words. You know, I always say, oh, yeah, I can know how to do it. I can do it. And trying to sound fancy. And a lot of times we're just like, can you just shut up and let me get it out? Definitely. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Well, that was an amazing story. First of all, I want to say that I'm thankful that you are here with us today and that I'm very sorry if you're lost. And that I think it's incredibly admirable, admirable, respectable, and really brave that you're willing to talk out about these things that are incredibly vulnerable. Um, and not to be too cheesy, but it definitely is work that is making a difference. So I'm just super grateful to even have the chance to speak with you. I appreciate being here. So you primarily are working with other business owners. You yourself own a couple different businesses, so you know what that's like. But um, when we talk about grief counseling and encouragement and recovery, you yourself are working primarily with business owners and executives. And I'm curious to know how and why that was the path you went down. Um, because you could be helping, you know, you could be working with like anybody going through grief, but you're right. choosing to work specifically with the, with these types of people. And I'm just curious if, if you can talk a little bit about how you got to that point. Well, it's not just business owners and leaders that I'm uh, working on some children's books as well. And a lot of uh, workshops and retreats that are going to be planned are for men um, just in general, because, you know, leaders in their own rights is the main thing. Yeah, it's not just business owners. Business owners, I mean, that's one of the biggest things because they, economically speaking, um, they are the pillars of the strength of the local community. Without them, the, our communities would collapse. And so that's one of the biggest reasons for that because at the same time, business owners and leaders, everyone wants something from them. I don't care. I, I really could not care about your title. Like, you could tell me that everything that you've done about private jets and all this other cool stuff and all that jazz, I just don't, I'm not phased by it. I truly don't care because at the end of the day, leaders and I mean, just those who are industrious, who are in, in, who are innovative, those who think outside of the box, a lot of times people just want to sizers. A, suck up to them. B, want to try and weasel their way into it and create some leverage. Right. And you know how that goes. And and just everyone just has their own MO. And one of the biggest things I wanted to create a space for leaders and especially business owners, you know, whether they're a coach, a service provider, um, you know, an executive in a corporation, whatever the case is, if they're just a provider of a home, because especially as husbands, especially as single parents, I mean, my mom's a single parent, you know, there's people that are leaders in their own rights. That way they have a place to come. That way they can open up and actually talk, but not leave with an open-ended, oh gosh, you know, everyone's talking about you know, their, their trauma, their, ter their, their terror. The goal of these different virtual workshops and personal workshops are to help people leave with that weight lifted, with a more understanding and peace of mind. Because if we can get one step further to victory and to be able to, to demystify any lies that have been popping up, these things that that especially especially when that hey, it's not happens like science it's just it, it's like clockwork when it comes to we, when after we have a funeral and when people leave you know it's always four weeks 
right? You know, after you know, after you know, we have the funeral. People have, we haven't seen since we were five, right? We were since we were ten. You you see pictures of them with their still their nineteen eighties haircut from the from high school, right? And they're like, that's not the same person. <laughs> but then uh, after a month they're gone you know it's like well yeah. thanks you know it was just very superficial they feel a lot of times a lot of times it, we feel alone after that happens because people come in like a, like a roundabout or a cul-de-sac and just go and and it's wild because with even children's books like right now work on that and that's going to be coming here soon but unpacking things to help understand why forgiveness is important and why it should be considered you know, we need to consider forgiveness like we consider a mortgage. And we need to con- like different financing options, right? And, but forgiveness is so often overlooked. And I remember seeing John Maxwell on stage at a Church of the Highlands probably about four or five years ago. And he said that because, I mean, we all know John Maxwell. He's gone into corporations to speak and a bunch of other stuff. The dude is the, he's the OG of speaking. Like he's, he is, a, he is the, the godfather. And, yeah, I remember what he said was he said the number one thing corporations don't know how to do is forgive. And that blew me away because I'm like, huh? And I, all these things, you know, what I'm doing now, all this other stuff is rolling around in my heart. And I'm like, wow. Because when it comes to like teamwork, when it comes to <laughs> customers, let's be real, um, you know, owning a landscaping business and acquiring another service company, like customers are just, they have a bad day and they take it out on you. They really do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, Golly. And y'all know that. Oh, bless it. Yeah. But um, like, when it comes to when it comes to so many different dynamics of leaders, people pull on them in more ways than they would just a citizen, so to speak, and and especially business owners because they are pillars of the community, and so there's a lot of stuff for to help it, to teach children the necessity of forgiveness, so that way they can live free and not because the, that way they don't mirror who they hate, you know, they don't become who they hate uh, in a nutshell. Because forgiveness means to bring the focus to something else. And off of what was done and so there's a there's a lot that went into that as far as you know with macroeconomics and microeconomics and just that background that way of thinking looking at how in the world can i where are the pressure points where can i also create a big impact with the least amount of effort but also the maximum amount of impact right and, and that's you know that's what steve harvey says you get and so that's one of the biggest things for leaders, you know, for providers of households, you know, I own a, um, I own a, I have interest, I own an interest in a whole entire platform that teaches people how to start a service company from less than 500 bucks in a pocket. And, and it's like the whole goal of that was to do exactly what I'm doing with the grief and recovery is to help them start a business, but be present because my dad wasn't there growing up. My dad thought money could fix him being there. That's never the case. And, and that's where, that's where a lot of times it comes from regret. It comes from shame. It comes from improperly processing that emotional pain, that, that trauma, that mental trauma to that into other areas, including busyness. And, and that's where I'm backing out of that cul-de-sac, getting back out of that, so to speak, backing it up like a U-Haul truck, you know, how I'd be saying when we're coming up from kids, right? You know, like uh, Bob Sparks. But one of the big, one of the biggest things was how do we back out of that and then focus on a way that's going to help you be present with those that you love and accomplish the mission that you actually had in the beginning. We don't start a business to have a glorified job. We've all seen those TikTok videos. I left my nine to five to start a job. Now I'm working 24 seven. Dang it. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know, like, that's the whole entire thing. A lot of the busyness in, in, with business owners 
it comes from that emotional pain, that uh, trauma, and it comes from diverting it, putting it into areas that's not healthy. And then next thing you know, you set your own trap because you got to keep it up. And then pride yeah. gets in the way. Wow, that's crazy. I, ha- I feel like I have so many questions. First, first <laughs> off, you were talking a lot about forgiveness and I kind of want to just uh, keep touching on this a little bit. Is there, I'm curious if there's ever a conversation or people who confuse forgiveness with forgetting. Yeah, all the time. Oh man, yeah. Like, how deep you want to go in that? <laughs> uh, let's go about four feet deep, you know, okay, shallow cool. pond. Yeah, people. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, no joke, man. The number one thing is that people say, I, I don't, I can't forgive because I can't forget it. You know, I, and that's never been the case. I can't forget my dad beating the crap out of me in a bathtub. You know, but the thing is, yeah. I don't ever let it control my response. Yeah. So what would you say is the difference between the two? I mean, for one, you can't forget. I mean, that's, yeah, this is impossible. But uh, forgiving means to let, to not let that, that, that time in history control your response anymore. And to kind of go a little bit deeper in that is where, when you forgive, you'll notice too, that when you think about stuff, if it pops up and still pisses you off, you know, if that yeah, kind of like keeps popping up. And the reason for forgiveness is not just, not just letting go for what you did wrong or what you could have done better, you know, the bad case of the should have, could have, what is right. You know, and that's, and that's where when you let go of it for yourself and like, and not give that, that situation any more power over your emotions and your mind, then you start to be able to let that go. Because a lot of times we feel justified in holding on to it because that pain is there. That pain is real. It doesn't justify what happened at all. Forgiveness let, is letting it go to the sense where you don't, it's not controlling you anymore, but there's different tools and mechanisms to really flesh that out because you can't just say forgive and let go. Like it, it doesn't work. You got to yeah. work through a lot of those different layers yeah. individually. I yeah, think so, that that's a, yeah. that's a really good point. Forgiveness is not for the other person. Nope. Forgiveness is for you. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. And it starts with forgiving yourself though. That's the ironic part. You know, whenever you're pissed off at somebody else, I knew that when I was mad with my dad, I'm like, mm. it was, yeah. Legitimately, there were things that he was just doing that were just plain dumb. And I yeah. felt like the parent in the relationship, like mm-hmm. being honest. I'm just like, this feels like a whole episode of Cartoon Network on reverse. Like, what's going on? And and I remember, um, I remember when I I would always get mad. I would role play too. You know, when you're, when you're mad about something and you're not letting it go, you think about what you could have done or you should have done or what you're going to oh, do if it happens again. Definitely. Period. Like you, man, I kid you not, man, my overactive imagination, as they put it when I was growing up, um, you know, it's, which is my number one weapon now, but, um, hey, but like literally I would role play different scenarios. What if he did this, this, and this, and this, and this, and, you know, I'm, I love improv skits, so that doesn't help either. And so I'm over here, like thinking about different scenarios. I'm like, man, I have a whole entire film playing in my mind of different scenarios, scene cut, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> all of this. And I, I kid you not, like, so the little, little funny story. Um, I went to rehab after, you know, May 6, 2008 is when I contemplated suicide, but then I went to rehab 12 step program off of Newman road, new man road. Ironically oh. enough. How cool is that? Yeah. That's and, cool. uh, um, I remember when I got out, you know, I had a counselor in there and he took counseling from a spiritual angle instead of it being just psychological. Psychological is extremely important, but it's not everything too, because we're, you know, we're a little bit more complex than that. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to, uh, I got out, I got out and I was working with my dad since I was 12. My dad loved to intimidate. He loved to bully. And 
skinny as a rail, um, you know, skinnier as a rail then. And man, I'm talking about being pulled with a couple bumps on it. It's about how it's about me. It was back then. And my dad had one arm. Okay. My dad owned a tree company, the tree business, and he had one arm. Um, he could drive a 1960s F-150 with no power steering with one arm. Wow. Dude was stout. I mean, he, I yeah. wouldn't doubt if his muscles were bulletproof. But uh, like he... I remember how I was one of the job site, you know, back out of it, out of rehab, like, man, I'm super pumped about this. Let's go have fun. And uh, yeah, I'm a new me. I'm really I'm just full of life Definitely. now. <sighs> that didn't change. And, um, I, you know, I read the purpose driven life when I was rehab. It really helped out a lot. And, um, you know, I had people around that I could just pour out and vent to and really just, you know, having that community is extremely important. But I remember when I got out of rehab, I was on the job site. And just kind of create some context. Since I was 12, I was pretty much the P, like the HR manager for my dad's company because he was just that much of a butthead. Yeah. Um, like he was just really just a big, big old, big old mm, nope. And uh, he was a very porcupine personality type of guy. Yeah, he wasn't okay. a turtle where he kind of like he retreated in. But yeah, he shot before he asked questions. <clears throat> and um, he asked me to do something stupid. It was in front of the customer. Literally, I'm sitting on, standing on the curb. Customers right here. The crew is right here, and the equipment's right there. He asked me to do something, and if I would have done it, it would have shot the whole entire piece of wood out into their car, and that wouldn't have been a good lawsuit. Um, and I said, I just looked at him. You know, I got tired of the you know the stupidity and everything, and you know myself, my own standards began to rise. And what happens with forgiveness? And I wrote a. Uh, this is actually on you know, last week's newsletter. Um, I had to first raise my own personal standards and then say that like I had to, to make sure that what I was going to do wasn't going to backfire because let's be real when you're, when you're going back into the, like the, the bullpen, so to speak, and going in with somebody who literally will stampede you. Oh God. Yeah. So I had to make sure I put boundaries in place and know how to enforce it. So back to the story though, like he asked me to do something stupid. And I was just looked at him dead in the face. I'm like, I laughed and I said, I'm not doing that. Are you serious? That is dumb. And next thing I know, a fist is two inches from my face. Jeez. Like, like right here. That's just next thing I know. He, that next thing I know, it didn't hit me. I mean, he was going to break my nose. But I just, you know, when he raised the fist down, I looked at him dead in the face. I said, what? And he never did it again. Wow. He tried to punk me in front of the guys. And next thing I know, I had to realize, I'm like, okay, that just happened. Um, uh, my heart oh my was beating out of my chest. And I'm telling you, man, everyone was like, dang, like all their workers and everyone, because they knew all the crap that I went through and like all the stuff behind the scenes. And that it was amazing is that that start, that was a turn in history for my dad and I. And when he, when he try it, when someone's a bully, when someone's in, tries to be intimidating, he's got to cut it right down the middle. And I mean, there's no, like the best way through is, you know, best way out is through. And, and, I, and the ironic part is that I, I saw my, it was like, it was like a log, literally like pun intended on the tree service stuff, but it was like a log was hurled straight at my face like that. And next thing I know, I'm like, my face was the axe whoop, right down the middle. And it was just, you know, I have a pointy face too, but it didn't help. Yeah, yeah. Joke. <laughs> but, um, but it's interesting because he never did that again. He tried, but 
but I had enough self-confidence, enough confidence at that point to set the boundary down. And I remember it, setting the condition. I said, dad, if you ever want, do you want me to come out and work again? And do you want me to, do you want me to bring the, the uh, my brother and sister back? Because my dad would always talk trash about my mom. No matter what. Oh my God. Like, and these things didn't like un- unpacking the forgiveness side, like really forgiving him was one step at a time. It wasn't like, oh yeah, kumbaya, oh, can you more? No, 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 no. It was war, flat out war. And I mean, it was every single day like that. And <laughs> when I say that I, I saw him on Thursday, that the night before I got the official call that he'd been killed. I'll tell you this is that every single thing that had happened like that leading up to it over those two years, it was worth it because I swear there were so many times where I had to swallow my pride. I was right. But at the same time, I needed to forgive. Yeah. Needed to let it go. I needed to, despite him giving me all reason not to. He didn't make it easy. And I mean, literally anybody else would have gave up. They did. And, um, you know, and that's the whole thing. That's the, that is the, the reason for this entire focus for the mental health is because people need to know that no matter what mistakes you make, even repetitively, you need to have someone there that's not going to give up. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was not easy. I didn't feel like forgiving my dad. And, Definitely. Yeah. You know, and that's, um, yeah, yeah, it was definitely not a feeling, but I chose to make peace because of, I needed to, for, not just for the sake of myself, but also, too, for the sake of my family. My mom and I still talk about all the different stuff that happened. Heck, we were talking about a month ago. And, and it's amazing how me doing that is still bringing the family back together. And it's just wild. We're always talking about how the things happened back in the, during all of that. And just, you know, how everything makes sense in hindsight. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. First of all, I have to say, you're such an amazing storyteller. Holy cow! I was on the edge of my seat that entire time. That's incredible. How do you how do you encourage people who are maybe apprehensive to start working on themselves this way to take the leap? Well, first of all, I get a journal. Um, you know, feelings. They are, we are we were given feelings and emotions to enjoy, um, and the feelings are valid. You know, like even if you're a guy, like dudes, listen up, like. Stop being tough. Like, just knock it off. Like, the biggest thing is, look, I've got a journal right here, you know, and this is not a sissy pen, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's a very manly pen. Very. And uh, yeah, like I can just, I can pop it between the eyeballs and you know, feel like that because it's a pretty <laughs> dense one. But the biggest thing is get a journal that you like because at the end of the day, if you you need to get the thoughts out of your head. Because in order to forgive someone else, you need to focus on yourself first. And when I, you know, that's actually what I, the last week's newsletter was all about was I needed to want to forgive my dad, but I needed to, to have the things in place to protect my heart because I needed to, first of all, do what I wanted to do. You know, I needed to take my eyes off of what happened first. Go do something I enjoy. You know, I love the word enjoy. You know, it's the prefix en means to be inside of joy and so a lot of times we're over here trying to think about well what do i like to do well think of it like stop overthinking it because a lot of times our emotions get us in the forest and we we miss the forest for the trees okay and and that's where i kid you not man like i uh 
I, it probably took me probably took me about four or five years to realize what I wanted. But I I needed to not feel guilty for doing something I enjoyed to do. <laughs> and I remember my dad would guilt trip me all the time. Man, oh my goodness, dude. It was it wasn't until I started going overseas and doing business trips to South America that where he was like, what are you doing? Like freaking out as a parent, but he was, it was like with him, it was on steroids. And, and I kid you not, man, he was like, he was, it was all out of love. He was like, if you, if you go, I'm going to make sure that you don't go again. You know, like all bark, no bite. Shut up. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, um, I remember doing the things that I enjoyed to do, but a journal got the thoughts out of my head. Yeah. Because you can't find a thought with a thought. Yeah. So you ever try to see somebody who tries to punch themselves in the face with their eyebrows? You know, it, just, it doesn't look right. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh my gosh. It, it doesn't, it doesn't look right. Yeah. You, yeah, you, we, it's scientifically proven that we can control our thoughts with our words. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you know, if you've all, if any of you have done the exercise between where you count uh, from one to 10 in your mind and you say your name randomly out loud, um, but it, we literally can control our thoughts. It's just pattern, pattern interrupts is what it is. And, and that's where, when you, if there's a, if there's a bad thought going through our mind, if we're, cause that's what depression is. It's just all about focusing on the wrong thing. Really, truly depression demystified is a, is a wrong, is a bad reallocation. It's a bad allocation, but business terms, right? It's a bad allocation of your, of your focus. It's deciding, it's being a pessimist. It's deciding to focus on the negative compared to being an optimist or an opportunist, right? Um, but being able to focus on the good and the silver lining. But a lot of that is traced back to how we see ourselves. How do we see ourselves, not in general, but in that area of our lives? You know, there's, there's certain things that are, you know, there's different rooms in our home that are a little, little bit messier than the other, right? But our home in general is really great, especially when we have guests over. But what happens is those rooms that were, you know, like the junk rooms, whatever, the stuff that you just throw in the closet or whatever, that stuff that gets piled up is what needs to go in that journal. Because a okay. lot of times we're trying to figure it out on our own, but there's something that happens when you... When you physically write out on paper with an actual pen, it downloads your thoughts on the paper. You're mm-hmm. literally able to download your thoughts through your through pen onto paper by doing this. But it's just old school. And I love the remarkable twos and all of that and all that jazz. But and I love being able to. I have a phone with a stylus. I can write on it too. But at the same time, yeah. it's not the same. It's different. Wildly different. And that's where. When you when you're able to get that out and it's in landscaping, what we do is we don't plant the plants to throw them in the ground because they may look bad. So we set them first. Okay. We set them in the flower bed and then we do an 180 degree turn, walk away, count to 30 seconds or so, whatever. You kind of lollygag, just thump fill your thumbs, you know, whatever. And then you turn around and then you have a whole new perspective. It's the same thing with your journal. You have a whole entire new mental perspective and you can actually look at your thoughts yeah and it's a brain dump you know it's not about trying to have some uniform or some outline what i have found is the best is that because our thoughts especially when we're going through it they tend to overlap and crowd on each other and so have zero uniform zero i mean methodology to it none i mean zip just forget about being professional 
Okay. Like throw all that out the window. This is you, yourself, and Eugene in this room by yourself and Jesus, whatever. But like it is literally you dump it out. And it's like if you're writing out, man, I can't believe Martha did blah, 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 blah. And then tell my Stephen did a good, you know, do it, dot, 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 and just keep it going because and just do it for as long as you need to until you feel that. <sighs> I think I got it all out. Yeah. And then go do something you enjoy. What's good, what that's gonna yeah. what that's gonna do is that mentally and emotionally and physically, everything all at once is going to unpack and you're gonna get a whole new perspective and watch things just start to come to you, just different things. And that's what's gonna be the first step of letting something go is putting the focus back on you. Definitely. I'm a huge advocate for journaling. I journal every day. Love it. It's really good. And the the way I view it is even like beyond words, it's more just you're getting that energy out of yourself and putting it onto the paper. And one of my favorite things about journaling is you also, once you document that, you have the privilege of being able to go and look back on that time of your life and recognize those things with, with the benefit of time. Yeah, that's just like mileposts. Yeah, you can just look back yeah. and see how far you came. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I look back so many different times. I'll be writing and then I get something in my heart that's really helpful and encouraging, like an answer to what I'm writing out a lot of times. I'm like, I just oh. interrupted myself. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. Like, because you get a clear head, and what's funny is that you know, like my faith is I'm a Christian, so like I, I've uh, you know, there's a lot of times where God will just speak, but then also too, there's a lot of times where I just get to encourage myself. I'm like, I know this, and I guess got to lay it back to myself, you know. And yeah, just yeah. Like, mm, you know, getting had that's part of getting out of your own way, mm-hmm. and and that's what's so good about it. But yeah, it really really helps because a lot of times with the reason why most folks can I bring it back to what we were talking about earlier is that the reason why most folks don't want to do that work they don't know how but also too once you do that then you can start to say okay these are the boundaries that I need to set in place for that person to make sure that this relationship has structure because a lot of times we go into oh yeah I want to forgive okay cool well uh, you gotta protect your heart too you know forgiveness is a two-part two-part gear you have to make sure that you protect your heart and set the terms because if you don't set the terms to those boundaries what's going to happen is that that person is going you don't give them an inch they're going to take a mile like they always do and and you you say look i love you i can love you at a distance and put a 10-foot pole in between y'all don't don't hit them don't hit them with it (laughs) yeah because but you want to love them at a distance but that those boundaries are what's going to help give structure and protection for you but also protection for them and say look do you agree and i just said i had to do it with my dad i told him i was like man i'm I'm not going to come over and bring the kids if you talk trash about mom deal yeah whatever yeah you know old heads sometimes i have a hard time admitting when they're wrong and saying i'm sorry so, yeah, definitely got, best i got was sound effects <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense sorry uh fair i feel like i've been stealing this whole episode from you no no you're good okay cool i have uh i have one more question for you okay yeah so i can touch on earlier but how do you personally find the like courage and bravely to be so open about things that you've struggled with i mean the healing that i have you know i, yeah. I personally know the peace that comes with it, mm-hmm. you know, that mental torment, those night sweats, um, you know, just being exhausted mentally because you've been running through it. I've, I've gone through all of it. Like I've literally, I feel like I came from the bottom of the pit and, you know, and hell I'm here, but like literally it's, it's because of the healing that I've, I've done the deep work on my own self. And I've, I've walked with other people through that, not just from the struggle, but through into victory. And I'm telling you like, 
there's nothing that matches that light coming back into people's eyes. And I mean, I have my, the number one thing that lights me on fire is that I just, you know, personally, spiritually speaking, I want to stand in the gap for those like Jesus stood in the gap for me. That's cool. That's really nice. It sounds like the uh, pros of being open and honest about it outweigh the cons. Oh man. And that's the thing. Like I, of course I don't, you know, I don't share all my business out there, but one of the biggest things that I lead with vulnerability, um, you know, allows other people, gives them permission to be open as well. But part of that is with the virtual workshops, want to make sure that, you know, we're not, you know, we're not coming in and then uh, just gossiping or anything. I'm really doing the deep work together and unpacking certain things. And that's the biggest thing. I've done this for over, gosh, for over 10 years and and walking with people through stuff. And I just, I, there's nothing that makes me more, more alive than seeing somebody just come back alive after losing someone that was so important to them because they don't want them to just stay in that cubby hole. They want them to get out there and live. You know, that's that's the whole purpose. That's why they poured into you. That's why they're your elders, you know, or, you know, or unfortunately sometimes kids. It's, uh, it seems like, it can't get much more rewarding than that in your work. So that's, that's what makes it all worth it, man. Yeah. Really. You said, you just said something and I kind of want to shift gears a little bit, if that's okay. Um, You own multiple businesses. You likely have teams behind you to help run these businesses. And you just told us that um, as, as, part of what you do to help people through the grieving process, you lead with vulnerability. And I'm curious how that translates into entrepreneurship and into your businesses, right? That this has nothing to do with grief. This is just how you, how you lead your companies and you lead the the team that you have. Why is that so important? It creates a comfortable and safe atmosphere. Um, You know, I've, I'm a, I'm a huge nerd and I, I love, 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 love systems. Like I'm a huge automation guy. And so I, you know, it goes back to, I remember my dad having sticky yellow pads, you know, the big old yellow pads. I mean, caked on his dashboard from like it was its own filing cabinet. And, you know, and I remember all of that of him not being president to now it's like, with and it's interesting because when I of course you know when it can different roles and different um, different businesses you can there's different times for stuff but when it comes to just leading with my heart it, it opens up that for other people to feel safe but also too there's parameters there's SOPs in place there's different employee handbooks and all that jazz but the biggest thing is making sure that everyone knows what they're doing roles and responsibilities, super clear, no guesswork, no surprises, no room for uh-ohs at all. And there's accountability in place. Yeah. And, and that's where with being able to spark that in other people and allow them to just run, I don't, I'm not a micromanager. And so I set systems in place. And I, I mean, I expect them to, to do their job, but also at the same time for us to be a family. Yeah, and and of course, you know, families have you have their own drama, right? And they, everyone's got family issues, but you know, we always make sure that a mistake is made. There's a conversation had, and it's bring understanding to it first, and say, "Look, bro, like heck, this morning we were, we had somebody that we're going to hire on, no no call, no show." And I'm like, I didn't get that vibe from that guy, but there's no it had to be a life situation. I, I'm always thinking the best of people, but I also too make sure I, I call a spade a spade, like flat out, "Look, bro, I love you, but that that can't happen again. No way." Right. You know, yeah, and and that's where it's like it. It's not a. It's not a like oh, 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 oh. 
you know, kind of like hold your lighter up type of kumbaya. But there's a there's a vulnerability in in not just with my business partners because they know my background, they know where I come from, and I lead with that. I don't hide it. I don't try to you know this this is what I love to do. This is what I would love to have come to life. Here's how we can do it. This is what we can do. Here's the different different ways that I can come into play and bring value, etc. And, and next thing you know, you know paperwork you're signing, etc. But when it comes to one of the really the boots meet the ground that's where i because i when i was overseas doing mission work i was the outreach coordinator and i started small groups from nothing and we had at the end of six months had 85 young adults in small groups every single week showing up on time and i mean dude it was just amazing and i mean the church is still there and ironically one of the guys who came through uh one of my small groups married the lady who was the administrator at the time and she actually just moved back down there i always tell her i said i'd take credit for that but no um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just the coolest thing and um and, and I, that experience flows into here to be able to not just lead teams because i mean it was 85 groups I mean we had 10 or so probably maybe eight or so people in each group so I have point persons for each one make sure we had team <laughs> meetings and make sure where everyone's on the same page being a resource as much as possible to them and be and just as for because I have operators in each one of them and making sure that we've got I serve at my capacity the way I need to and it's interesting because the culture is all is all about family but we get we get business done right. yeah you know there's no there's no way around that I mean business we're in business to make money yeah. You know, but at, in the sense to help serve people, we have a servant man, servant leadership mentality mm-hmm. and we make sure that we go above and beyond. Ironically, our like, landscaper company, we actually have a brand that says that we're the landscapers that will call you back. Oh my God. <laughs> Like what? Like, it's so funny, but it's it's the simple things, you know, little things here and there, yeah. and it's the it's the little footnotes that make the difference when it comes to that. Because when when you take care of your employees, they take care of your customers. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, before we run out of time here, we're gonna shift gears again. And um, these questions are not going to be as thought provoking, but we do them with every guest, and they're just more fun. So. I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I just need you to give me one word answers. Okay. Ready? Does that have to be relevant or funny? Well, it's a, it's going to be me asking you to choose one of two things. Okay. Uh, this or that situation. <laughs> yeah. This or that situation. Okay. To start us off, dogs or cats? Dogs, definitely. It's fine. It's fine. Let's just move on. It's okay. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? I- <laughs> Ooh, Coke. There's a reason. There's there's a TMI story for Pepsi. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> okay. Beach or mountains? Ooh, mountains. Yeah. Okay. Do you live near mountains? We didn't ask you where yeah. you live. Yeah, Huntsville, Alabama. And so now we have a lot of greenery. I'll go to the beach every now and then. And um, um, what's the what's the word in doses? Um, but yes, no, I love the mountains. I love the greenery, just the open air. It's just beautiful. Yeah, I live next to the whole entire mountain right now where it's nothing but beautiful green trees in different colors. <sighs> love it. Love nice. it. Cool. Okay. Hey, uh, do you need, do you need a roommate by chance? Uh, no, I'm just no, no, I live with my wife. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get a tiny home for you so that way you can bring that right. big deal. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Um, oh, that's really funny. Your lifelong roommate there. Yep. Yep. Uh, I just have to point out really quick. I just have to point out really quick that, um, I always think it's funny when we talk to people from the Southern States 
uh, who talk about mountains, but we're in Colorado where we have real mountains. Oh yeah. Yeah. We have hills, <laughs> yeah, we have hills. hills but beautiful yeah, yeah. hills, really beautiful oh, yeah. hills, really beautiful. Well, but my, I don't know if we can consider Iowa. that mountains. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? So you do yeah. know what real mountains no, they, are. It, Oh yeah, in Iowa now they they just call them hills. They're like, oh, that's a, no, that's a smaller hill. I didn't I didn't know you were so certain on the definition of a mountain, Farah. I'm just saying that it's I you know I'm originally from New York, and when I moved to Colorado, I was like, oh, so these are what real mountains are. I get it. Oh now. yeah, I get yeah. it. So just had to point <laughs> that out. Anyway, awesome. moving on, moving on. Um, Cole, do you have anything, anything else before I ask my last two questions? Um, okay. This one's a little bit more reflective going through your entire career or maybe just the past seven months. What would be one piece of advice you'd give yourself? And what do you think has been your biggest waste of time? Slow down and talk to less people. Hmm. That's the advice. Slow down and talk yeah, to less people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like Put your hand out all the time. All the time. <laughs> Get down a bit, isn't it? Uh, second to last question from us today is we have, a our audience consists of entrepreneurs, um, maybe people that are just interested in, in starting a business, people who work for other people, employees of businesses. It's, it's a wide range of listeners, people with ears, people with ears no. that like to One listen to podcasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it could be either. could be either. <laughs> Um, so please leave our listeners with just any word of advice that you have. It can be about anything. I'd say that stop getting mad at yourself for what you didn't know then that you know now, Mm. because it's impossible for you to turn the clock back. And the beautiful thing is that now you have the experience to do better now. I love it. I dig it. All right. Chills. And last but certainly not least, please tell our listeners where they can find and connect with you. Yeah, they can go to griefandrecovery.co and they can just check out the podcast episodes or forward slash workshop. And the workshop is coming up actually on May 3rd and there's going to be some more as well. And they can also look into the details for any of the in-person workshops for themselves, for their teams, and, you know, also for leadership as well. Awesome. I would be have a 365, uh, uh, 365 daily devotional. And literally the cost of that is just the cost. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, it's been a really, really, really amazing pleasure to speak with you today. Your story is pretty incredible. Um, thank you for making a difference in people's lives. Clearly. I think grief is something that everybody, everybody will deal with in their life at some point. Some are fortunate to have less grief than others, but everybody will deal with grief. And, um, I think that there's needs to be more people out there that are willing to share their stories in grief and help other people get through it. So thank you for making a difference in people's lives. You're truly doing amazing work. And obviously, as I always say to our mad podcast family, go out and make a difference today. Thanks for being here, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me.